Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respect to elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Are Revolting, a definitive weekly news source for contemporary isolated gays. <laughs> we put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best isolated Gs you can be. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter, or join our community on Facebook by searching The Gays Are Revolting. And we know times are pretty tough at the moment for a lot of people, but if you do have a bit of cash and want to support the podcast, please jump on patreon.com slash gaysrevoltingpod. Hey, Benches, what's up? Hello. Hey, boys. How are we all doing with our lockdown? Yeah, good. Oh, yeah. About the same. Yeah. <laughs> Have you, has anything happened in the last week? <laughs> I've never played so much video games in my whole life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was built for this. But... My psych is actually going to crack it at me because somehow, you know, my project over this year has been to slow the fuck down. And somehow I've still managed to overcommit to things, even in isolation. Yeah. <laughs> <Love> <laughs> like it. I'm like I'm doing like twelve hour days still of, of yeah. some full on frogetry. At least you guys can go for walks and stuff like that. I can't. Oh, because you're out. still. How much longer have you got in full uh, lockdown? Till Sunday. Okay, oh, far yeah. <laughs> I guess if anyone wants to see how crazy Carl's got from being in isolation, we are actually doing a live on yeah. Sunday. Yeah. The- I finally got to leave my house, and what do we celebrate it with? With staying at home and recording. <laughs> I had the funniest thing happen to me last night. My um, my boyfriend was working late, so I thought I'd treat him when he got home from work because he's a doctor. It's been very stressful at the moment. Just had to drop in that he's a doctor. And uh, <laughs> he's a doctor. And yeah, he's a doctor. Oh. Yeah, hot, hot doctor. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, so he, uh, I thought oh, I'd take him on a date to the balcony. So I set up like a beautiful <laughs> candle, oh. candlelit dinner on the balcony with wine, and I had all the cutlery out and all that sort of stuff. Really fancy. And I borrowed my housemate's little speaker so that we could play some jazz music. Yeah. Set the mood and that sort of stuff. I'm about halfway through dinner. My housemate was in his room and decided to have a wank. So he pulled his laptop out and starts watching porn, but there's no sound coming out of his laptop because we've got his speaker out on the balcony that oh, it automatically no. connected to. <laughs> so the porn starts playing through the speaker and we're like, what's that sound? Stop and then it. he's turning the volume up on his laptop because he can't work out why this sound. And so we're on the balcony like, <laughs> and I've never used this speaker before. So we're screaming, pushing these buttons, trying to turn it off. There were several people. Oh. I was like, where's that group of people? They're supposed to be isolating. <laughs> oh I thought God. to do that because <laughs> old mate JB is staying with me at the moment and the I've got one of the wireless Sonos speakers and mm. I still get up at like seven to, to, to work. 
And sometimes I'm like, oh, I should really just start playing some hardcore, you know, <laughs> raw dogging through that. Thing. I would appreciate <laughs> it. This is like a, a, a quasi mental health special, which we've yeah. done a few times in the past, but we have some um, amazing uh, guests joining us this this episode. Yeah, I, I feel like we, yeah, you're right, Luke, we have done a few of these uh, mental health specials, but I feel like it's a good chance now more than ever to sort of, you know, there's not a single person is not being affected by this in some capacity. Um, so, yeah, it's really important for people to sort of pay attention to a lot of those uh, mm. emotions they might be feeling at the moment. Mm. Sometimes one of my fun, like, isolation games is to think of the celebrities that probably don't even realize that there's a pandemic. Like, I, yeah. you know, like, sometimes I name them up. I'm like, I'm sure Mariah Carey has no idea <laughs> this is happening but right do you now. Know who, do you know who does have an idea is Fran Drescher from The Nanny. Did oh, you really? See she's, yeah, did no. you see what she's doing? No. So, for a bit of at-home entertainment for everyone, the entire original cast from The Nanny are going to do a virtual table read via some online platform um, of the first episode of The Nanny so everyone can sit at home watching them. Oh, all. that's incredible. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited. It's actually worth this entire lockdown. Just for- Yeah, totally. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> We could do a whole episode of Sea Change for you, Tom. Oh, oh my God. Oh, I just away. came. I actually just came. <laughs> That's the other benefit of recording at home is I can pull the patch right now while we're recording. And uh, yeah. no one Pull can... the patch. Uh, <laughs> pull the patch. A brother. You being masturbated? Flick the bean. Oh, my God. Uh, there is something I want to talk about, guys. I think it's safe to say that we, as a human race, are all going through something now. We're all sharing the same kind of experience at the moment, and it's all anyone can talk about. And, of course, I'm referring to Tiger King on Netflix. Oh, my God. Oh, oh. <laughs> You're turning into President Lincoln for a second. <laughs> I had a dream. Um, <laughs> no, but this batshit show, I've, it has been a long time since I've seen television like this before yeah. oh i've God, never gasped so much of my whole life honestly Carol baskin that bitch, baskin. bitch. <laughs> obviously guys um we will be discussing the show so if you have not watched it in its entirety i would suggest tuning out and then coming back because it is definitely worth it. <laughs> but um, God, the show fucking, it has everything. It's tigers, lions, murder, three-way gay hillbilly marriage, many people with missing limbs. Like there's <laughs> awful, awful mullets throughout the whole thing. Pizza made from old expired Walmart meat, the country songs about tigers and gay love. Like A it's, murder subplot. It's, if that hasn't like enticed you, I don't know what will. Accidental sewers. Oh, there's so much stuff going on. It's insane. Yeah. First of all, do you think Joe actually did try and 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 have Carol murdered? Oh, absolutely. I think he's Forget stupid enough me. to do yes. it. Yes, I mean he was saying on his live show that he records that he wants. No, no, no. Dead. But there's a big difference between an egomaniac trying to get wanting someone dead and loving the attention that he gets when he says that. Yeah, and. Mm actively going out and doing it. Yeah. yeah. Anyone that watches my Instagram stories knows that I threatened to kill Kyle. All the mannequin lines up and then like blows up their heads. Yeah. Shoving dildos into his mouth. He left rattlesnakes in my mailbox once. <laughs> but it's, it's very different from contractually, like contractually actually uh, going into it. engaging with a hitman. But my impression was that that is a collection of people who live on the a very fringe of society. Oh my god! Uh, it is and, a real eye opener. And um, I have no doubts 
almost that anything they alluded to within that show actually happened uh, in mm. terms of the potential murder of a husband and potential the- murder of her husband. I mean, that's the other crazy <laughs> thing, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think that that uh, Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin are as evil as each other, and oh, just totally out of doubt. Yeah. It's just that Carol's a lot smarter, about yeah. It. <laughs> and yeah, and and markets herself completely differently, and managed to successfully kill her husband. Where Joe may or may not have tried to have Carol killed, but yeah. was pretty dumb in the lead up to it anyway. This is the interesting thing that okay that I came away from it is because I did see that in terms of the business that they operated, they worked in very similar models. One was yeah. they recruited people with no other options and drug addiction to work for basically nothing. Mm-hmm. The other one had some weird pyramid scheme to get people to work. Yeah. For oh my free. god, it was full cult uh, with yeah. t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but the public reaction to both of these people has been so extreme. You know, people yeah. dress yeah. up now as, as Joe Exotic, and he's quoted all the time um whereas carol baskins is like we've even said it in the intro people just think she's a bitch and some really misogynistic yeah. language oh my gosh yeah, and, and i saw i saw someone write on social media saying it's definitely harder to be a woman joe exotic lured straight men into homosexuality with meth sold tigers on the black market and he cared more about his financial security than his employee losing an arm and i'm still like fuck carol baskin <laughs> 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 like, yeah it's it's kind of a weird thing i uh, Something I enjoyed about the the show was the homosexuality aspect of it. So with, much. <laughs> with, well, no, well, I don't even think it was so much. It was treated with absolute normalcy. Within yeah, yeah, which was very surprising. I thought it seems like it's treated with absolute as absolutely normal amongst all the other people working at the park as well who weren't yeah. um, gay. Because uh, I think you know this is a really interesting insight into a world of the gay scene that we don't often see. I assume that everyone in in Southern America is incredibly homophobic, but everyone yeah. else in the park yeah. seems totally fine with it and carol's attacks were never really homophobic attacks on no. on joe like that was never really brought good into on you carol as far as we know i mean yeah she killed her husband but she wasn't homophobic that's <laughs> <laughs> i appreciated the normalcy around it or oh, for a show yeah. that is admittedly quite salacious in the way that it, yeah. it depicts mm. a lot of things you know it's very doom doom and there, there, the there was one ripped off there was one part in the show when i thought mm, maybe there was that one guy and he was describing him as the tiger king and he's like tiger queen oh sorry i mean king and he is <laughs> who i think the is the actual evil person in this whole yeah thing. totally he set up the whole i think he actually conned everyone else into thinking mm. that it really was joe that did yeah. it but anyway what i want someone to tell me is is how that man can get married to three people so many. <laughs> and i am struggling here to get to find a second <laughs> fucking date and i don't know whether it's why i need to pin a fucking ring through a tiny piece of skin on my oh eye. my god that if I blew my mind the whole time i was just like that thing is gonna rip out at any second i couldn't handle watching Could it you relate so much to mikey because he had a prince albert is it prince albert so it's cool. yeah, oh yeah. yeah he had yeah. one and i was just like and he put padlocks through his <laughs> so messed up. Uh, the reason is, Luke, is that you don't have a menagerie of uh, exotic animals. It's the no. exact same reason why I bought a miniature dash hound, and mm. now I have a hot doctor boyfriend. Entices people in. Wow. You need to get some animals, man. I didn't know if it was the meth or the animals, and I didn't. <laughs> you know, they're bad as difficult. Start with a cat, and then we'll work for yeah. it. <laughs> I'm there. I'm there. Do you guys get that anxiety? You know, when you watch videos of people mm-hmm. like dangling iPhones over drains. Oh yes. You know that kind of like feeling. Yeah. 
That's yeah. what I got whenever I saw that fucking eyebrow piercing. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh my God, that thing no, is cool. That's how I thought felt whenever he was next to a cat. And, like, you know how quick they were to freak out and oh, just yeah. drag his nice leg and stuff? I was, like, on the edge. I was cheering for the cats every time. <laughs> yeah. Get him, James. Yeah. Get him. <laughs> oh, my God. There's the sheer amount of animal cruelty. It was so depressing to watch from that aspect of it. Yeah. It blew my mind um, that they got away with so much animal yeah. breeding as well. America, I'm sorry, but parts of America are absolutely fucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, um, I would say that most of America is absolutely fucked, but yeah. Look, I was trying to be diplomatic. But... Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> they get enough smoke blown up their ass. <laughs> Sorry, A very guy. interesting quote from the director is saying, they're particularly talking about Carol, but I think mm-hmm. it applies to a lot of people in the show, is that they had a lack of intellectual curiosity about the animals themselves. Yeah. They very much just wanted to live with a bunch of big cats. Yes. So I did feel like in that respect, they didn't go too hard on them. Maybe that's what was nice about it. There wasn't too much of an agenda of like, hey, this is where the animals should actually be. Yeah. Yeah. They did show them sort of pretend to care about those issues. But the piping hot thesis from the directors Mm. is like, their impression of all of those people, including Doc Baguan, was that none of them particularly had any interest of no. these animals outside of keeping them in their yeah. own um, backyards. As Yeah, and exploiting them for money and yeah. sex, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's the thing about the whole battle between the two of them. Like, Carol was just like, no, we're doing a better thing. We're rescuing these animals and, like, we're keeping them. It's just like, well, like, shouldn't you be rescuing these animals, bringing them back to health, and then trying to find somewhere you can release them back in the wild? Like, maybe taking them back to Asia somewhere or, like, some other sort of sanctuary because you're not actually doing anything really positive. You're making mm. money off these poor animals. Like, Yeah, I mean, I don't know the science behind whether you can release a, a yeah. tiger that was bred in captivity or not. Maybe, maybe you can't. Yeah. But she is, she is still making cash off yeah. people coming and having private functions and all that sort of stuff at her park. Even though she's a multi-millionaire from the money she inherited when she killed her husband and fed yes. him to the tigers, <laughs> mm. she's still um, not paying these staff that are working for her. So she's still exploiting these animals. Oh my animals gosh, to I, was, I, was, <laughs> yeah. I was losing it at that part when she's like, ha the only way to get a tiger to eat someone is to cover them in sardine oil or something. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Or something, I, I wouldn't like, know. Uh, <laughs> she's like, oh, or something. Kicks a jar of sardine oil <laughs> yeah. under the bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, she, she knew. The statistic at the end of the show basically saying that there are probably triple the amount of tigers in captivity in America than in the wild. Just so in the world, yeah. In the world, there's something really fucked up going on out Mm, there. Absolutely. One of the funny byproducts of um, my household watching the show is the whole week we've just been speaking in southern accents. Yeah. (laughs) Like, morning, (laughs) y'all. Yeah. It's been a time. I keep saying, uh, hey there, cool cats and kittens. <laughs> There's actually no one for me to say it to in isolation, but I'm just, <laughs> just saying it to your plan. Saying <laughs> it into the universe. How many characters from this show do you think we're going to see in the next Snatch game? Oh, I've seen two drag queens Joe already sure. do Joe Exotic. Yeah. yeah. And I am pushing someone else to do uh, Carol Baskins. Yeah. Did and you- I will lend you the flower crown. <laughs> Did you guys see his ex-husband got like a full set of teeth? Like the one that left. Yeah. Yeah. Has he got them yeah. done now? Yeah, so yeah. he has like all teeth oh. now. Changes the person. Yeah. We need to talk about that whole section too. I think it was a really interesting look into drug um mm. drug use, but not yeah. you know, often when we talk about um extreme drugs, we're looking at people that are, you know, living in a ditch or in yeah. squalor or whatever. These were high functioning um meth addicts. Yeah. And also people using meth to which often happens sadly on that scene, um people using meth to have sex with people 
and to lower their inhibitions, uh, let's face it, in ways that they normally wouldn't have, have, have done or wouldn't mm. have made those decisions if they, if they weren't addicted to meth yeah. and didn't have someone taking advantage of them with that addiction. Um, I think ultimately Joe was a extremely narcissistic, controlling person who engaged in some really unhealthy relationships with people. Yeah. You, you saw the kind of weird devotion that he got from his staff and things like that, mm. that I think his boundaries, oh my gosh. everyone yeah. was way out of line. And you throw meth into the the bucket, and mm. so, uh, being sexually aggressive, mm. restrict their contact with the outside world, and it, it kind of got glossed over. But in some respects, I did appreciate the show didn't delve into like a gay villain or like. Yeah, I think the world needs that yeah. right now. That yeah. devotion really floored me. Like when that member of his staff got, had their arm ripped off by oh, the yes. tiger. Yeah, that was nuts. And My then they were still nurse. drinking the Kool-Aid, happy. Yeah. Like, oh, Literally yeah, five yeah, days five afterwards day. was like back there just like, yep, cool, let's go for it. I was like, I'm still really defending Joe in the interview. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It was really fascinating that they had some old footage mm. from a previous documentary that was never made and then had interviewed people sort of in the lead up to and post Joe's conviction. Yeah. So you were sort of hearing their opinions fresh and you were hearing their opinion yeah. before they heard a lot of evidence yes. that was presented in court. And then again, after they'd heard all that evidence presented as well. Yeah, it was really well done. I did also want to shout out that this week we're recording during... Uh, International Trans Visibility Day, the show did do a boo-boo of misgendering uh, that employee that lost the arm who does identify as trans and was Mm. misgendered, I think, as she throughout Mm -hmm. the whole show. But I think as it happened this week, and it's really important, I just wanted to give a shout out to all of our trans listeners, our friends and family, and all the uh, amazing, enriching things that you bring to our lives. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Do you think? Do you think he's actually like really happy in jail now because he's so narcissistic and so self obsessed? Like, do you think he's like, yes, I've made it now? Like, do you think he knows that this documentary has been released? He would know that it's been released. He would know the attention. I think he would drive him yeah. nuts that he's stuck. Like that he can't be on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. But I think he knows that it might lead to a, an appeal or something like yeah. that. Mm. And I reckon he'd be sitting there plotting his uh his his next presidential oh run <laughs> it's not that far-fetched <laughs> fucking donald trump yeah i mean no, so, no. you know scary thing did you see yeah, that there was scary. like a news article that was released i think it was very satirical kim and kanye they're fighting to get joey released from prison oh, and no. I was like, ah. <laughs> if anyone were going to represent him it would be those two bloody hell Today we're joined by Tan Lee from Q Life. Thanks so much for speaking with us, Tan. Thanks for inviting me. I'm super excited to be on your podcast. Thanks. Sorry oh, we can't have you in the studio. <laughs> Please know that we would be offering you a drink and some biscuits if you were here. Yes. I've already I've already got a <laughs> glass of red wine and a Wonderful. She's ready. I love it. Now, firstly, Tan, can you just explain to our listeners what sort of services Q Life offers for our queer Australians? Yeah, of course. Um, QLife is Australia's only national LGBTI telephone support and referral service, telephone and web chat, I should say. We are a peer-run service, so anybody that answers your contacts, whether they're your phone calls, your web chats or your emails to QLife is an LGBTI person themselves. So, Yeah, you know, if you're contacting us about things that you're experiencing in your life as a queer person, you're going to be talking to someone who may not have had exactly the same life experiences Mm. as you, of course, but has had similar experiences. Mm. We've all experienced marginalisation, minority stress, had to come out 
out in different ways. Um, primarily, we're run by volunteers. So it's um, a pretty incredible thing and hats off mm. to our QLife volunteers because we couldn't operate the service without these amazing committed individuals that come in night after night to talk to community members. Well, one of the things that I think is a brilliant idea that you guys do yeah. is the web chat function because a lot of younger people, of course, are now – that's how they communicate. I mean, I, I grew yeah. up with telephones and I still call people, but uh, a lot of a lot of younger people do all of their chatting online or, or you know, on phones and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Has it been popular? Yeah, web chat is extremely popular. We've seen in a real increase since we first started and I'm actually going to really, I think, surprise you with the statistics. Mm. So are the two demographics that are growing most – in our service overall on web chat are under 18s, as you said, mm. but over 65s. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yep. that's so good. I know. Right. Also, particularly people who are in um, regional, rural, regional and remote areas, we're finding mm. we're getting mm. a lot of more chats from people in those areas than metro areas. I also imagine one of the benefits for, with that might be that, you know, if you're in a house where perhaps you can't have a, a, a vocal phone call, mm. um, if you're in the, you know, you haven't come out or something like that, then you can sit in your room and sort of quietly have That's a, a 100% chat. That's 100% right, 100% right. And I think another reason too, well, I know another reason that it's really popular is with people who are afraid of being misgendered by the way they sound on the telephone. Right, yeah, yeah of course, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, it ta- yeah, it takes that risk away, which is, is really great. And we do find some people then once they've built up a bit of a rapport on web chat, move on to using the phone. But for mm-hmm. a lot of people, that's the way they, they communicate with the service. Yeah, so the anonymous, uh, stop me if I'm wrong, but the anonymous peer phone counselling has quite a long history in contributing better mental health outcomes for LGBTI Australians. Um, But can you tell us a bit about the history of that form of counselling? Like, how did it start? So QLife, in its national form, at the as it's operating at the moment, has been running since 2012. But it was born out of, as I mentioned, you know, we've come from volunteer roots, from grassroots organisations. The 1970s was the earliest service that started. So that was the New South Wales service and it was Mm. the camp service, which stood for Campaign Against Moral Persecution. And you have to remember back at this time, it was still illegal to be in a homosexual relationship. So people were, it was really brave to have volunteers giving out giving out their home number at that point mm. to talk to other queer people. Um, and obviously they wouldn't have used the term queer then. We know that that was mm. a slur and we're really reclaiming that language now. But what's really amazing is that we've still got one of our New South Wales volunteers is still around. He's been working on the phone line since the camp day, since wow. 1970. So the main difference now is that we did get some funding in 2012. So we are able to operate as a national service, which means mm. that you can call from anywhere in Australia the 1800 number, which is 1800 184 527. And that's a free call and um, your phone call will be answered, not necessarily in the state that you called from because we take calls from every state and territory, but we don't have phone rooms in every state and territory. But if you can't be answered in the first phone room, you know, if we don't have a volunteer there or there are too many calls, you bounce to the next phone room and so on Mm. and so forth. So this funding has really allowed us to answer so many more calls and to provide that infrastructure that's really necessary to have a truly national service that people can Mm. get hold of when they need to. 
So if someone wanted to, to volunteer, how would they go about that? Oh, we love volunteers. We couldn't do it without our volunteers. We've got four partner services. Each of those services do their own volunteer recruitment and training. But the best way to sign up for that is to email me. It's to mm-hmm. email ask at qlife.org.au and I can give you some information. I can put you in contact with your local service. If you're not in one of those states and territories and you still want to volunteer for QLife, you can because we've got a lot of volunteers who are working on our, our directory, um, going out and promoting the services in states and territories where we don't have phone rooms. So it's not just limited to those states and territories mm-hmm. where we do have phone rooms. Is there any sort of like prerequisite or any sort of qualifications that you need to have before signing up to volunteer? Being an out and proud and fabulous queer who wants to love talk it. to other queers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so everybody's provided with uh, with training when they sign on. It's it's not a quick process. Honestly, mm-hmm. it does take about six months from signing up to taking a call on your own. But that's because, you know, we need people to go through really rigorous training. And Absolutely, then, yeah. And to feel supported, to do listening shifts and then to do supervised talking shifts. Mm-hmm. And we would never push somebody onto the phones before they were ready. So you do know yeah. that anybody you speak to has, apart from being, a, you know, a fabulous queer who wants to talk to you, has had some <laughs> really thorough training. And that okay. training's based on the Certificate for in Telephone Counselling. So it's the same kind of training that Lifeline, for example, give to their volunteers. Um, obviously, we're in a health pandemic at the moment with COVID-19. What sort of ways has that affected your organisation at the moment? It's been really challenging, to be honest. So obviously, it's affected both the way we can deliver the service and our communities as Mm -hmm. a whole. So in terms of our service delivery, Unfortunately, we've had to move to our paid peer supporters only, and that's because we haven't wanted to expose our volunteers to any, you know, adverse risk. We are running a slightly limited service, so we are still running web chat from 3pm to midnight which is our normal hours, and that's whichever state and territory you're in, your local time. Mm-hmm. And you can access that web chat just by going to the QLife website, which is qlife.org.au. Unfortunately for our phone service, we have have had to limit our hours to 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Now, that is a big change because we are normally 3 p.m. to midnight. But during that four-hour window, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., we chose that window because it was when we saw we were getting the most calls from our community members. And what we've done is we've put extra paid staff on over that time. So there are more bodies answering the calls than there really normally would be in that um, condensed period of time. But we do realise it's, you know, it can be challenging for people and they might not be the hours that that are convenient for people. So we really encourage you that if you can't get through to us 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. If that doesn't work for you, if you want a referral to a service in your local area, again, email me at that ask at QLife email or, or jump on the web chat and we can also give you referrals. That said, we are obviously really hoping as soon as, you know, things get back to normal that we will be able to extend the phone line back to um, 3 p.m. to midnight mm-hmm. and get our volunteers back on board because they really, really are our lifeblood. Yeah. Are, are you seeing the calls coming in? Have they been affected? Like, the kind of calls that you're getting, do you think people are getting stressed from the current situation? Added pressures, perhaps people that have had to go back, live back home and that sort of thing? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right on. It feels like you've been looking over my shoulder at the <laughs> world, actually. We always find that loneliness and isolation 
and relationships are both always in our top 10 reasons for people contacting, but there has been a huge spike since the Mm -hmm. COVID outbreak. And we Mm -hmm. know, you know, queer people do unfortunately have poorer mental health outcomes than the mainstream society. And that's not because we're queer. It's not because we're LGBTI. It's because, you know, society is, is designed in a heteronormative binary kind of way and we Mm. do face minority stress and discrimination and stigma and unfortunately people who already feel isolated are now you know being shut at home so they're they're not able to as easily access their networks and Mm. their safety nets and as you mentioned particularly people who might be living in home environments that are challenging Mm. which I really need to be really aware of um, family violence um, that can happen yeah I've seen my own immediate circle already people that have you know been living out of home for quite a long time that have all of a sudden lost their jobs and everything and had to to move back home and it really i mean although your parents and family might even be okay with you, your sexuality and that sort of stuff you do i still think a lot of people at least repress their emotions and their feelings when they go back home and do sort of have to repress a part of themselves mm-hmm. which can obviously lead to some pretty dangerous things yeah absolutely of course and i think the important thing is to try and find those spaces where you can truly be yourself and if mm. that's jumping onto our service or it's listening to podcasts you know like your guys podcasts or finding networks online i really recommend doing that we've got mm. A lot of resources listed on the QLife website um, and some tips and tricks that might help over this period. But, yeah, we can't deny that it's going to be really challenging for our communities. And Mm. I think it's really important to remember that we're still suffering a lot of trauma. We're on the back of the postal vote and the back of of the Religious Freedoms Bill. Absolutely. And that stays, you know, that stuff Mm. stays with you for a really long time. So our community has been through so much in the last few years. I think it's so important to be kind to each other and 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 with yourself mm. and our community really does rely on a lot of these services that have now been shown what's well, been considered non-essential services like bars and um, drag shows and meetup groups at places like hairs and hyenas and that sort of thing that have now essentially been shut down because of these restrictions so we, mm. we now have even one less yeah, place to right. catch up so i think yeah you're right these online catch-ups are really important Reach out to your friends and, you know, your friends might not say to you, I'm Mm. having a hard time or I'm really struggling. I think we have to remember to check in ourselves, which can be a bit hard Mm. because we're living it too. But just to take that time to reach out and check in with people is really Mm. important. I had a really stressful day, quite an emotional couple of days actually, after after the last round of – restrictions were announced where they were sort of saying, you know, you can't go to someone else's house at all, basically. Uh, My partner and I have been discussing what would happen if if these rules came into place Mm. and whether uh, we decided that we didn't want to be apart from each other so he would move in with me for the duration of the lockdown. But it was so unclear in Scott Morrison's original address whether or not we had to. And then depending which news article you read, in which state and which premier you were listening to the advice of, it seemed to be really conflicting um, information. So we spent two days going back and forth four times as to whether or not he was moving in, um, which was incredible. I was actually on the verge of tears because I was just like, surely there's like hundreds of thousands of people around the country in the exact same situation as us wanting to do the right thing but not able to be able to actually get that answer. And then I think it was the Chief Health Officer of Victoria, at least announced for the state of Victoria, that there would be an exemption made for people in relationships, but also made it like it was really annoying that people were asking, Mm. which pissed me off. (laughs) Yeah. 
I, anyway, my, my partner and I, like by that point, we we packed up all his stuff and we we're like, okay, you're moving in. Then we're like, okay, no, you're not moving in. And I, I've been wondering, have, you know, are you seeing a rise in calls from people that are in relationships as a result of, of all of these pressures that have been put on them from COVID-19? Well, look, I can tell you for myself, I I am so frustrated because these these rules are designed for heteronormative monogamous oh, yeah. relationships. Exactly. Yes. I, exactly I have right. two partners. I have two yeah. partners yeah. whom I don't don't live with and I can now you know, they're now telling me that my I can't sit in the park with both of my partners. Yeah. How I mean, how do we begin to even navigate that as you know, loving relationships when it's, our relationships exactly, yeah. are so othered, and it, it really, I think, it really is a miss in terms of our community yeah. and what's needed. For because community. another thing that it points out, it it sort of makes a difference of anyone in a romantic relationship is not a family in the wording of what the government has released. So if you have kids, that's considered a family in 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 this wording. But a, a romantic relationship without children or a marriage is not considered family in the wording of yeah. the, of the federal government's guidelines, which I think is pretty disgusting, really. Yeah, yet again, we're not being considered. I mean, it's it's bad enough that, you know, we've fought so hard to try and have our relationships included in the ABS and we're denied that. Yeah, it's really, really frustrating that we always seem to be fighting and pushing. Mm. And again, it just kind of brings me back to really networking and connecting with the people that you can in finding alternate ways to do that because mm. we need love, we need connection. And that's you know, so important to our mental health and our well-being. And you're right; it's completely frustrating that we're not we're not considered in these ways. Um, it's horrific, and we are seeing it in the calls as well. Sorry, I know I made that about me. But, no, 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 no. Don't wait, Tan. That's all I do in this podcast is make the whole thing about me. <laughs> Um, now you were just saying that like it, it, obviously it's very important to sort of keep in touch with your loved ones as much as possible, especially in these isolating times. Um, the hashtag in this together is calling on all Australians to proactively follow and share tips on how we can show loved ones um, our love in isolation. Um, what sort of tips are Q Life promoting? We're really, um, you know, not to bang on about it. And look, I'm a, I'm a really tech terrible my girlfriend Emily always laughs at me she's um (laughs) she's non-neurotypical and she's an IT savant so she thinks I'm just the most ridiculous person ever (laughs) my phone but um, we really are encouraging people to to meet up online to jump on YouTube and show us you know your best drag makeup tips to still try and engage with those communities that are important to you for me, a call log that I was reading that really touched me was somebody that, like a lot of LGBTI people, they were unemployed. A lot of, quite often, we mm-hmm. sit lower on a socioeconomic spectrum, mm-hmm. and they were really distressed because people in their area were were hoarding. They were shopping and and buying things, and this person didn't have a lot of spare income. They weren't able to hoard toilet mm-hmm. paper or pasta or you know, or amel or anything. So um, <laughs> we just, I think. We really need to encourage sharing and connecting yes. with your neighbours and your people around you and your networks and just 
being charitable, just having, you know, thinking about am I reacting out of fear or am I mm. react, you know, am I reacting necessarily or unnecessarily? And and what is the impact going to be on the rest of my community? And do I have a spare pack of pasta, you know, in my cupboard? Yes, okay, I can I can do a, a non-contact drop-off and, you know, I can drop things off at services like 2010 or minus 18 or whoever happens to be operating in your area that are supporting people that, that are really struggling with basic things like, you know, being able to buy things at the shop. Lots of us have lost um, employment. I, I had no idea how many gays worked for the airlines but I can tell you. Have you, you never caught an airline an airplane before? <laughs> no, I, look, I, I think I just really didn't notice, but my inbox has yeah. been full of airline staff saying, I don't have any employment, but I want to volunteer for QLife, which is amazing. Oh, oh wow. So yeah, nice. it's great, isn't it? But I mm. think that it's really important to remember things, you know, like that, you know, the financial hardships as well as isolation, as well as um, – you know, those things that we think about. So if you've got a bit of extra to give, whether it's, you know, extra spoons to connect and talk and listen to people to debrief or if it, you know, is extra pasta and baked beans, whatever it is, it's I think if we kind of share a bit of ourselves, it's going to make it easier to get through this situation. Well, Tan, you do an amazing job, uh, you and your entire team. So thank you so much uh, for sparing the time to come and have a chat with us and sharing that information. I think it's really useful for people, especially at the moment. Yeah, great. Thank you so, so much for inviting me on. And it's um, it's really amazing that, that you guys are doing these podcasts. And this is the kind of stuff that I mean that we need to keep doing as a community. It's so important, you know, and it's incredible that, that people can access this stuff nowadays. I just wish that I could have when I was a younger person. And I think yeah. it's such a valuable resource for our community. So thank you, guys. Oh, thank you. That's so lovely, Thanks. John. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today we're joined by Melbourne-based queer psychologist Chris Cheers. And uh, thank you so much for hopping online with us. No worries. Great to be here. Uh, now, Chris, we're seeing so many awful consequences of this COVID-19 and many of them are taking a giant toll on our emotions. Has your industry noticed an uptake in people seeking mental health solutions? Look, I, th- I think the easy answer is that, yes, of course, you know, there's going to be a huge increase in the people needing mental health support during this time. But it's too early, I guess, to really see yet the real impact it's going to have. But, you know, just looking at the amount of money the government's putting into mental health support and, you know, we're just in a place where people are losing their jobs and, you know, surrounded by so much uncertainty. It means that people are going to need support. The the issue is the actually access to the help. So there might be a huge need out there, but but whether that's going to be able to actually carry through to be able to 
access help is is uh, yet to be seen, um, but there's a huge amount of change that's happening in the industry t- in terms of you know, telehealth and also in terms yeah. of online counselling and phone counselling that hopefully is allowed to or able to pick up that that need. Uh-huh. It's all, it's almost a day by day thing at the moment. Literally. Um, a lot of our listeners know I manage a psychology practice, and and at the moment we're having meetings every morning to figure out what has changed in the landscape, and and people need it, and it's about being able to provide that service as best as we can and have it available. And already um, a time when, you know, it's hard to access psychologists for a lot of people already. And, you know, if, you know, psychologists already have a waiting list or, you know, they're not able to be affordable for a lot of people. And now putting this on top of, on top of that need, it, it's, it means there's a huge need out there and just hopefully that the services can be there. Mm, mm. I like to turn the party. So in the in the last couple of months, I, I, I've been at drag shows maybe four or five times a week. Do you think the closure of uh, queer spaces, mainly our bars and our social events, um, affect people who sort of a large part of their day-to-day life included those spaces and those events? Yeah, it's a huge change. I mean, our nightclubs, our queer parties, they're, they're our churches. That's where we go to, to gather, to see our friends, to feel supported. And obviously they're just gone at the moment. And mm. it means there's a huge, you know, part of our community that maybe newly arrived to, to the city or don't have close friends yet, or, you know, maybe they live at home with their families and going out to these nightclubs and these parties is the time where they really get to be themselves. And now they may be, you know, feeling quite isolated to not have that, that place where they went to see people and they may not have those sort of close friends around to be able to, to communicate with. So, you know, mm. it's a, a huge loss. Mm. And really leading to a lot of sort of maybe a sense of loneliness and, and isolation from that loss in the community. Yeah. What, it, what Like I know you can't give medical advice via podcast, <laughs> but in your opinion, what have you found been, has been really useful for people dealing with loneliness and a separation from, from the community, especially if they're a big, I hate to say it, scene queen? But if they are, queens are an important part of the family. I, I think that, you know, queers will find a party anywhere. We'll make a party anywhere. Um, and I think you're seeing a huge uptake in, in adapting and using these online spaces to create those sort of environments. You know, I see karaoke nights and trivia nights and mm. I see the NGV are keeping up their Friday nights online virtually with like Bay Marie, the drag queen tomorrow night. Like there's, you're seeing it adapt and you're seeing that out there if you, if you search for it. And I think people are looking for those connections, uh, whether it be a dance, you know, a free gig online or or a free exercise class. But I I think there's also something else really important where people are using this time to make new connections with older friends that, that maybe they haven't seen for a while or family. They have. I know I've been calling people I haven't spoken to for years just because we have this kind of space to be able to to make those new connections. And all um, this time. <laughs> and all this time. Yeah. And, you know, talking to people I haven't seen for so long, it's been so special. Um, yeah. But I think we're also seeing something else interesting where there's so many new things happening online that maybe some people are starting to feel the pressure to sort of fill their day with mm-hmm. a million different social things online. Yeah. Uh, and it's really important to sort of take that step away and go you know you can really do whatever you want with this time uh, totally. you don't have to fill it with online 
karaoke and parties. You can, you know, <laughs> oh, do no. other things and, and take advantage of this space. Yeah. Speaking of online, I've seen, oh my God, the thirst out there. <laughs> like, um, uh, and people, <laughs> people like complaining about being alone and not being able to get dick and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not on any dating apps, but because uh, I'm, I'm in a relationship, but what are dating app users? What should they be keeping in mind throughout this whole pandemic? Look, I think the first thing is, you know, a lot of if you kind of stick to kind of heteronormative ideas that sometimes see these, you know, hookup apps as sort of bad or, or negative or something that should be kept secret. It's really mm -hmm. important to value how important they are for connection at yeah. times like this yeah. for people and to keep those connections going in terms of friendships and any sort of social connection so important right now that can really happen through those through those mm -hmm. dating apps and hookup apps. I mm. think what's interesting is now thinking about you know, having hookups and, and sex, you know, through people you're meeting on those apps during this time is a bit more mm. complicated. Obviously, there are, you know, regulations and laws that are pretty much saying you shouldn't have physical contact with people that are not your partner. And they're sort of changing by the day. I know. I'm, I'm so confused about it myself. I haven't seen my partner for like over a week now since we're doing the 14-day the isolation after returning back to Australia. So I don't know how it's going to be at the end of this 14-day isolation if I'm going to be able to see him or not. You're doing like a reverse love is blind, yeah. you know, because they don't see each other for like yeah. two weeks. Going to fall in love all over again. Mm. <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's good to notice, I guess, how our queer relationships are different, you know, that, mm. that they're often, you know, we know that more than likely, you know, more than 50% of gay male relationships have uh, ethically non-monogamous now, have sex outside of that, uh, that relationship. And thinking of the shift in that now, that, that means, you know, that, that, that part of the relationship has now changed and it, it does put on a, di a different pressure and it does put on as something that, you know, that is different for this time. And I think mm -hmm. the only thing that those dating apps, no matter time of COVID or time of not, it's all about just, you know, if you're having sex with a new partner, you're always assessing risk. And this is just a different kind of risk to assess and a different True. kind of conversation to have about how that person has been you know, if they've been traveling, if they've been isolating, if they're physically distant. And it's just yeah. a, another conversation that, you know, that should happen when you're assessing that risk. And for a lot of people, they'll say that risk is too much for me. And I don't want to have sex through those apps at the moment. But that's a decision, mm. you know, you can make. I'm worried about the people that don't take it seriously and still go out and meet people. And I'm sure some mm. of them do. Yeah. Yeah. Something nice that I've noticed differently because I'm keeping it in my pants Uh <laughs> is that through using the apps now or like chatting to people online, I'm actually like learning what their names are and they're learning. <laughs> no, but they're like learning my name and we're wow. having this like different relationship through it where, yeah, we send each other some saucy things here and there, <laughs> but we also are messaging being like, how's today going for you? What are you, you know, what's on? Yeah. Like we're doing some of the more quote unquote normal stuff in that heteronormal sense because we can't just uber over to someone's house and um mm. raw dog it out and say See you later. And those <laughs> connections i mean they're, they're so important and i think a lot of the time you know obviously we talk about hookups and sex but a lot of the time what people want from those connections you know sometimes the sex is terrible but the you know the connection and getting to see someone is you know so important mm. and yeah. the and sex is always terrible with me but it, but it's great to think that these apps and these hookup things are and this time is encouraging maybe a different level of connection which is also really important something interesting i found too is like we're learning so many new things about this day by day and i've seen a shift uh, change in the phrase from social distancing to physical distancing 
I always thought it was really weird when I would say, oh, no, I'm socially distancing when I'm messaging like 20 people yeah. <laughs> a day, you know. So I, I think that's another change um, that I think people are learning. Actually, I just remembered something too that I think, Chris, you might find interesting is I was talking to someone and they were asking me about COVID before we went into full lockdown. And I actually said to them, I think queer people in the LGBT community are like some of the most resilient, adaptable people out there because we grow up code switching and we grow up doing, like you mentioned, assessing risk all the time and learning how to like change scenario to scenario, room to room, minute by minute. We, um, we adapt, you know, queers, we, we are against the norm. Uh, so mm. we, we thrive when, you know, we're forced into places to sort of get creative. And, and I think that's, that's a space where we're all in right now. Mm. Uh, now, this affects probably the more professional side, but as of this point in time, all telehealth uh, psychology sessions are bulk billed through Medicare if you have a mental health care plan. From your side, from the, the clinician side, how do you view this this change? I know it has a professional or a, 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 it does have an impact on you as well as for the client side. And um, do you have any tips for our listeners that may be interested in accessing those services as well? Yeah, well, I mean, the one thing to notice is any access to Medicare supported mental health services is always going to start with a GP and uh, that GP can, you know, give you a mental health care plan and that gives you access to those 10 sessions per calendar year Mm -hmm. and what has shifted now with time of COVID, and this has been changing daily, and really it's only the last couple of days this has come in, is before, you know, those sessions, if you were in a regional area, you could access telehealth, but we've never been able to access telehealth under Medicare within sort of non-rural or regional areas really before, except under very special circumstances. So what's opened up now is people being able to get that mental health care plan from the GP which can be done over telehealth with your GP as well, and then be able to access these sessions with a psychologist. The interesting bit is that those sessions have to be bulk billed from your psychologist, which is great if you've got a psychologist that wants to bulk bill and, and you then are basically able to access that health for, for free or for, you know, it's a Medicare rebate. Also, you know, if your psychologist is not going to bulk bill, they now no longer have access to that, that Medicare funding that they used to have when you were seeing in-person sessions, which yeah. I think is is a shift that the community is trying to um, understand at the moment. Yeah. And do you think uh, with all these leaps and bounds into telehealth and bulk billing, uh, psychology services have a chance of sticking around once all this corona madness is over, if it's ever over? <laughs> it will end. That's the one thing we can be sure of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think any, at the moment, there's so many sweeping, huge changes happening daily with all of this and, and telehealth yeah. and mental health is another one of those. It's, it's going to be very strange in, you know, months and months times where, mm. you know, if they take away, you know, these payments that, are, you know, the JobKeeper payments and all these payments that are kind of pulling people out of poverty uh, and that they're just going to take them away, it's going to be a very strange time. Tele and mental health will be another part of that. Are they going to take away this Thing that has allowed more access to mental health support for a huge amount of people and what will that look like so i can only say it's guaranteed until the 30th september so if you get out there and use it you know and you like it tell your mps try and try there will be reviews of this stuff before the end but hopefully you know that access can continue but you know we just don't know yet yeah i think we're learning about our values and what 
is essential service. <laughs> like yeah. that phrase is is, is essential. Like, oh god, <laughs> it gives me a, a, a chill when I hear it now. Essential services. I think, like in my opinion, from a management side, I think some of the telehealth rebates may stick around. But even up until hopping onto this interview, I'm getting text saying there could be announcements about changes to it by the time it's airs. So last week we could only do them with people who were basically at risk of COVID or had COVID or come in contact with someone with COVID. And then only a few days ago, suddenly it was access to anyone, you know, on Medicare. So it's a very ever-changing scene, just like everything at the moment. So volatile. And uh, like on a more positive note than Kyle's, will this ever end? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I've been inside a long time. Um, There's a lot of like useful things that people can do to look after their mental health and their well-being whilst they're in isolation. Do you have like daily practices that you recommend, you know, even for people to give a try? I know it's really a trial and error process. Look, I think, I mean, there could be some message to Carl's Manners here to say that maybe it's it's never going to end because I think we do need to stop thinking of this as something that's going to be very temporary and very short, that we're just going to make it through. Yeah. Um, and we do need to think about it as what is the new kind of normal that's going to make your day-to-day the best it can be at the moment, thinking that this could go for weeks or months, that you may be working from home or, you know, living with a housemates or a partner 24-7 that you may not have done for a long time. And <laughs> And I think within that, it's really important daily, like to create spaces, you know. So if you have a workspace at home, make it nice. Don't just kind of put the computer on the couch and, ah, true. you know, hope for the next couple of weeks that'll make it through. Make a nice space that you're going to spend hours at for the next, um, you know, mm. few months. And think about those spaces in relationship to, you know, your partner or your, your other housemates or people in the house. It's really good to use this time to have nice dates and to have nice, mm. you know, lovely things that you can try and create within the home. But you need to have space as well from from people in the house. <laughs> and this is a time when instead of that naturally happening because of, you know, social things, you're going to have to actually have conversations about, you know, how to structure the day so that can happen, that you can have time alone. Um, and can you chew more quietly? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. um, can you shut the fuck up? Yeah. Are you it's, breathing so loud? <laughs> yeah, I think we're all discovering things about our relationships. <laughs> but and and so anything that's routine to the day, like um, and having small like small things that you can feel a sense of achievement will really get you through. Like make your bed or make a cake or, or do something that that gives you that sense of achievement. That shower is a big day. one. That was a big Shower. one. <laughs> Shower <laughs> like you. I did my hair today. <laughs> feel proud about that. I'm sure it looked great. You know, like <laughs> feel good about those little things that will get you through. And, you know, and incorporating mindfulness and meditation, you know, I'm sure you've talked about that stuff on the podcast before. And there's a million apps, you know, Smiling Mind or, you know, different um, mindfulness apps. Anything that's going to keep you grounded during this time is incredibly important. But I like to think, mindfulness is something that you can do in your everyday just anything that's going to try and keep you present so when you're having a shower like really smell the shampoo feel that water and really be present to that experience is mindfulness so anytime during your day you know whether it's mindful drinking which is something I work on it as a psychologist where you're training yourself to taste that drink and really be mindful of that experience whatever the experience is will really mm. ground you and be present rather than having your mm. attention on 
the outside world or things that you're uncertain about or everything else. That's really Just, good advice. I'm going to have I, trouble I, being mindful in the shower, though. There's a huntsman in the corner of my shower at the moment. <laughs> it's a very stressful situation every time. <laughs> well, there's something you can do in isolation is get rid of the fucking spider car. Uh, no. <laughs> Look, he deserves to live, but far away. Have y'all, I guess Carl hasn't, but <laughs> y'all ever gone to the like supermarket recently People give you space now. Like you get that. Like <laughs> that sounds lovely. Actually, some of the things that are happening because of the the COVID pandemic, you're like, this should just be like this all the time. Like you should not stand within a meter of a complete stranger at a checkout, <laughs> or you shouldn't push your way onto a tram and and. Uh, da, 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 da. Um, I, don't, I think anyone, you know, out there trying to make it through, I think the huge important thing is to remember that even if you're physically distant or socially distant from your queer community right now, we are a resilient, beautiful community that, that is out there and is out there for you to remain connected to, to support each other through this. And I, hmm. I think that's something you can always, you can always lean on in our community and that we have been resilient you know, throughout history through so many things. And, and we hmm. can certainly be resilient and together on this as well. We're going to emerge from our bunkers with our amazing Mad Max inspired outfits. We'll have shaved heads <laughs> and a lot of banana bread, but oh, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll be, we'll be <laughs> Oh my God, I literally have banana bread today. I feel seen. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the meal of, of the Corona crisis. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, well, thank you so much, Chris. That was actually really, really, really good chat and really insightful. No worries. Yeah, great thank to be you here. so much. Thank Chris. you. And take care. <laughs> and you, and you. Well, we've come to the end of another cyberspace socially distant episode of yes. the Gazo Revolting. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Thanks, thank you. And thank you to our lovely guest that came in this evening. Came in this evening. What am I talking about? Chatted with us this evening. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not in my house, that's for sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't forget to sign up to our Patreon at patreon.com slash pod, as well as all the usual bonuses that you would get. We're also going to do a live show. Uh, we'll be doing it via webcam. Yes. And God knows how it's going to go, but it should oh be God. fun either way. I'm so excited to actually like <laughs> be able to like try and look good for yeah. some reason. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. 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 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.